Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We are in week two. Everybody say week two. We're in week two of our three-week series, Hope Delivered. I almost said the, message, the title of my message, uh, but we didn't. So Hope Delivered. Last week I talked about hope in crisis. Like I said, if you didn't um, get to see that or, or, um, or watch that live, you can find it on YouTube on our South Coast Christian YouTube page. And it will just say uh, Hope Delivered Week 1, I think, or Hope in Crisis or something like that. Um, and, hey, I would encourage you all to listen to that um, for two reasons. One, selfishly, is my first ever message on a weekend. So <laughs> that was pretty cool. If you could be a part of that, that's great. But also, I think it was a really timely message for, um, I say that because it was for me. As I was studying and I was learning, and you'll hear my dad say this oftentimes, when we're studying for a message, oftentimes it, it speaks to us more than anybody else. And so um, hope in crisis, if, if 2020 has been a tough year for you, go back and watch that. Um, but we're going to talk about um, a topic with a similar sentiment, but a little different in the actions that we can take um, to, to find hope in this. And so today's message, if you're taking notes, which I would encourage you to do, um, uh, if you're taking notes, today's message is entitled Hope in Failure. Raise your hand if you've ever failed before. If you're not raising your hand, you just failed because you lied. But, uh, but we have all failed at something, and, and, and we've failed at small things and big things and, and all of it in between. And, and I, I started to think about all the ways I've failed. And, you know, I, I've failed in school at times. Maybe I, I didn't do so well on a test or I didn't study or, or maybe I failed morally within myself by cheating off of somebody else's paper or homework or or whatever or I failed in sports many times more than I'd like to admit uh I failed in sometimes in being kind or failed in something much bigger but where can we find hope in this failure and because we all fail at things in life probably every day this would be a good time to figure out how do we find the hope in that amen the person that comes up most of the time in the Bible when we talk about failure, you guys might be thinking of this man's name. It's Peter. Peter seemed to fail at literally everything he did. <laughs> it seemed like he couldn't do anything right. Like, we, there's so many stories in the Bible of Peter messing up, right? Peter was a, a fisherman that seemed to not know how to fish sometimes. Peter was uh, a, a, a man who denied Christ three times. That's like the big Cherry on top, wow, that's a big failure, right? Like Peter, uh, th there was the, uh, the men that came to, to grab Jesus to bring him to fulfill the, the kind of the, the plan that God had for um, Jesus to go on the cross and die for our sins. And when that happened, Peter lopped off this dude's ear and Jesus had to turn into a surgeon all of a sudden and throw the ear back on. And, and, and so Peter, oftentimes as we see, Peter just acted and he never thought about anything. He just went for it. And most of the time he was wrong. Um, but I think there's some very important things that we see in Peter's life that I want to go over. And the first are just two things that I think are actually positives that I see from, from Peter. Number one, if you're taking notes, is you can't fail if you don't try. Right? Uh, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, and probably most famously Michael Scott said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. But this rings true to me. Like if, I play, if I'm playing basketball, if I'm playing hockey or soccer or whatever it is, and I'm trying to achieve a goal, I can't possibly give myself a chance to achieve if I don't take a shot. 
Like if I was a basketball coach, I would rather have someone take 100 shots and make 10. That's a terrible percentage, <laughs> right? Than have someone not take any shots at all. Why? Because I at least got like 20 points out of the one person and zero out of the other. Does that make sense, everybody? So, so even though failure is kind of talked about in this like negative tone, the good thing about failure is we can't fail if we don't try. So if we've, uh, if we've gotten to failure, that means we at least tried so far. And so we have somewhere to, to go in. Because I actually believe a bigger failure than failing itself is not even trying. We see this family in, uh, famously, not family, we see this famously in the story of Peter walking on water with Jesus in Matthew 14, right? And this story is oftentimes talked about in a negative tone, right? P- Peter gets called out. He, he tells Jesus, if that's you, call me on the water. He's like, all right, come on. <laughs> and so he's like dipping his toes in, right? And, 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 so, and so Peter walks out, and he's doing good, and he's walking on the water, like, no way, right? And then he eventually loses faith and falls in, and we think of the story like, oh, Peter, you messed it up, right? Oh, Peter, you could have made it there, and you could have made it all the way back. Yeah, but the thing I notice about this story exactly is that Peter got out of the boat. Peter's the only person in history besides Jesus to ever walk on water. Yeah, he wasn't that good at it, but he still did it. All the other disciples didn't even get out of the boat, right? So I would rather step out of the boat into what God's calling me to do and fail than be stuck back in the boat, amen? And so for you, there's hope even if you failed. Why? Because you took that first step to get out of the boat, and that's awesome, and it's commendable. Number two, failures can be a catalyst for victory. Going back to the sports analogy, because I love sports if you know me. Let's go back to Michael Jordan. And I give him a shout out first service, but I'll give him a shout out this time. I want to shout out David Cease, good friend of mine. We argue about basketball all the time. And he thinks Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. And I think he's probably right, but I just like arguing with him and telling him that LeBron James is. But um, So we'll see if he sees this and sends me a text about it. But anyways, going back to the sports analogy. So Michael Jordan, right, debatably the best basketball player of all time. 23, Air Jordan, yeah, right? He missed more than 9,000 shots in his career. He lost almost 300 games. And on 26 different occasions, the team trusted him to take the final shot and to win the game, and he missed 26 times. But he's widely remembered as the greatest basketball player of all time, right? Another failure in his life. Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time. Sophomore year of high school, got cut from the basketball team. Not because of grades or really anything. He just wasn't good enough. Can you imagine that? The greatest basketball player of all time didn't make his high school team his sophomore year. That's one area in life I could say I outachieved Michael Jordan because I made the basketball team my sophomore year. So I, if you connect the dots, I might be a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll play some pickup basketball here pretty soon. So I'm just kidding. But looking at these stories, I'm, I'm willing to bet because of these failures... Michael Jordan learned from them, was motivated by them, and became the greatest basketball player of all time because of how he failed. Peter failed over and over and over again, but we see that because of Peter's constant pursuit of Jesus, before and after many failures, that his passion and revelation of who Jesus is is what Jesus used to build his church. So now that we know that failure isn't the worst possible outcome out there. 
How do we find hope in it? Because despite all the things I just said that are good about failure, if we're honest with ourselves, failure still stings. It still hurts. It doesn't feel good. I don't ever fail and I'm like, yeah, that was awesome, right? Right when I'm playing golf and I absolutely shank a shot to the right, I'm not like, yeah, let's go. I'm right in the middle of the fairway of three holes over, right? Like, like when I fail at something big or small, it kind of hurts. It's not fun. But I can learn something from it. Amen? And so this week, it was kind of fun this week. My dad, as you know, he's been sick, so he's at home, and he's calling me all the time just to, probably just to talk, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, do, I usually do that to him, so he's returning the favor, but, uh, but he's, he's calling me, and we're just talking and stuff, and he's like, hey, bud, anything you need? I don't really got anything to do this week, so <laughs> let me know, you know. I said, okay, so, so I employed my dad, funny enough. I employed my dad as, as one of my research people this week. And so I had him do research for me on my message, which was super nice because I preached for youth and then I'm preaching now. So I had to put together two messages this week. So my dad did a lot of the work, which was great. And so here's a couple things we came up with together in our research, right? How to find hope in failure. Right? So here's, here's the steps we take. When we fail, it stinks, it sucks, it's painful, it's not fun. How do we find the hope in that? How do we move forward? Amen? Number one is bring your failures to God in prayer. Right? Don't, don't be afraid to ask God for help. Right? We oftentimes, who's ever been there where you're like, I feel like God's just, I, I don't know where he's at, right? I just, I feel like he's distant. I feel like I can't hear him. Something someone told me one time is, I, I can't expect to hear God's voice if I close his word. Right? The words that he's already spoken are unfamiliar to me because I keep it closed and on the shelf. So I got to open my word. I got to pray. I got to talk to God. Why? Because the Bible says, as I draw near to him, he what? Draws near to me. Last week, I said that God works all things out for the good of those who love him, which we would agree, right? But then I realized God cannot work out things for my good if I don't give them to him first. If I don't allow God to work things out for me, he, he will not force himself on me. He allows us to make choices. He allows us to make mistakes. He allows us to do all those things. And so God wants to work things out for your good, but you have to give up control of whatever you're holding from him. You cannot receive anything with closed hands. Amen? And so in the midst of our failure, step one is to give it to him. Uh, I, I was so proud of this thing. It was this project I was working on for a long time. Maybe this business I started. Maybe, maybe this devotional plan I started or whatever. I don't know. And I failed and I, and I lost it and I'm not good at it and, it and it's broken and it's not good. But I, I want to hold on to it so tight, right? All you have to do is let it go. All right, I failed, Jesus. Give me a lesson in this. Amen? He can't turn our failures into victories if we don't hand them over to him. Number two, step number two. So we, so we bring our failures to God. And number two, let's evaluate our motives. Failure oftentimes can spotlight our motives. Amen? When we fail, we're like, oh, wow. <laughs> right? This is a good thing. Our, and here, listen to this. Our motives may not have been a key reason for failure, 
but our motives can be a key reason for success. How we approach life, how we go about things, our heart and our mindset, and how we, how we walk through things and how we, how we do things that Jesus wants us to do. Jesus might call us to something, but if we don't do it in the right heart, the right mind, the right spirit, it will not be successful. Right? Peter's greatest failure was his denial of Christ three times. This was huge, catastrophic. And the funniest thing was, Jesus told him, you're going to do it three times. He's like, no, bro, I'm not doing it three times. And if that wasn't good enough, he told him when he was going to do it. He said, before the rooster crows, meaning tonight. Tonight, you're going to deny me three times. Can you imagine someone telling you you're going to, like, have the biggest failure of your life, tell you how many times you're going to do it, and when you're going to do it, and you still do it? Like, this is the perfect example of why Peter is our example today, right? It's like if someone told me, Brett, hey, today at 3 o'clock, you're going to experience the worst failure of your life. I would hunker down. I would, like, stay right here, sitting in the fetal position at 3 o'clock. I'm not failing at anything, right? But Peter was like, no, I'm not failing. You told me when, how many times, and then, oh, ooh, right, and he slips and boom. It's like Charlie Brown. You're going to hold the ball this time, right? Oh, of course. And he goes, <laughs> sends him flying. Matthew 26, verse 31 through 33 tells some of this story. Then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away, basically he slapped all the other disciples in the face. Either if all of these jokers leave you, right? He's like, I won't. Even if all fall away, I won't. And so when we read this in the Bible, oftentimes we think of this, that's a very noble statement. That seems like it was in good heart. I'll never leave you, Jesus. Like, that's a good statement, right? Can we agree on that? Like, that seems, that seems okay. But as the story goes on and we notice what happens later, we can ask ourselves the question, what's Peter's motivation for saying, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will? Because under further inspection, we realized that the story all of a sudden flipped upside down when Jesus was now the object of persecution. It was cool to be with Jesus because he was performing miracles. And I want to be Jesus' right hand. I want to be the guy that even if everybody leaves you, Jesus, I will never leave you until all of a sudden, oh. Me being with Jesus means I might die too. I might get persecuted. No, I don't know that guy. No, no. Oh, you're with that? Nope, not me, not me. Right? Hey, do you know Jesus? No, no. The Bible says he cursed his name. And so because of that and before we realize all of a sudden that Peter's original motive was just to be accepted, was just to be acknowledged, to be known, to be Famous in a certain way. He wanted to be loved by Jesus, who was the most important person right then. And then after, he did not want to die, so then he didn't want to be known by Jesus. And he wanted to be known by everybody else. Does that make sense? So the question we ask ourselves are, why are we doing what we're doing? What were our motives in our failure, and how can we change that to potentially find hope in the midst of that failure? 
Right, so like I said, step one was giving it up. Step two is reevaluating. What, what was going on in my head right there? What did I do wrong? Amen? And when we do that, we can take step three. Step three is to change our mindset. So we give it up. We evaluate what our original motives were, good or bad. And then we change our mindset. The way we think can make or break our lives. We can either choose to make failures the story of our lives or to make the failure stepping stools for victories in our life. Amen? I can either let these bricks called failures lay at my feet and build myself a house of failures, or I could build myself some stairs and get going somewhere. Amen? And so, so it's up to you. I can either be surrounded and swamped and swarmed by my failures, or I can use them to learn and to move forward. I have to change my mindset. Oftentimes we can move more Oftentimes God can move more following a failure because we've established where our limits might be. And then we realize, God, any step further, I need you. Right, so let's say this is, let's say this stage is the line of failure. Okay? First time, I don't know what's happening. Boom, I fall off. Almost did it, but I didn't. Second time, I might be more aware, Right? I might be, okay, where's the, where's the falling spot? And if I'm like Peter, I'll probably still fall off of it, <laughs> even though I saw it. But then the, so, so, that, so now the changing of our mindset is, I'm going. I've come to my limit. And now this next step has to be with faith that Jesus is going to hold me up. Amen? Because if I take that step without Jesus, I already know what's going to happen. I'm going to fall on my face. But if I take that step with Jesus, he'll lead me through it. Amen? This is true for Peter as well. Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 asks Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter responds in verse 16, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Man, what a powerful statement. Amen? And Jesus goes on to tell him that upon that rock, upon that statement, upon what you just declared, I'm going to build my church. Jesus recognized Peter's mindset and revelation. And if you notice, in that moment, Jesus did not bring up any of Peter's failures. Everything that Peter had done up to that point didn't matter all that much. The only thing that mattered in that point was his response to the question. And how grace-filled and glorious is that for us that all of our failures don't matter as soon as we step in front of Jesus and he asks us the one important question. And if we answer that right, right, all everything else goes away. And so changing our mindset like breaks off the bondage of what failure has. So often we try to just keep taking our failures with us. Oh, I'm taking these wherever I go because I, I'm going to learn from my mistakes. I'm going to learn from my sins, so I'm going to keep them really close and in my pocket and around me at all times. I'm going to keep that bad music on my Spotify playlist just so I know what to not listen to. I'm going to, I'm going to, keep, right? I'm going to, I'm going to keep access to everything bad online that I've been looking at, but I'm going to keep it there just so I know what, I, my, what might be on the other side, right? I'm, I'm, going to, I'm, going to keep my, I'm going to keep not budgeting and making bad financial decisions. Why? Because I'm, I'm just... I'm just going to learn from my mistakes. And so we drag these failures around with us. 
drag them, drag them, drag them, drag them. And Jesus is like, hey, I'd love to take those failures away from you. You say, no, Jesus, I'm learning from these. Jesus is like, yo, let me just, you know, take those away. Forget about those. Do something else. It's really easy. You don't even have to, you don't even have to use those to answer this question. But we still have to, no, Jesus, I'm learning from this baggage. I'm taking this with me. This is my story. Jesus says, I have a new story for you. Right? And it involves me taking that from you. But I don't want to. It's so weird sometimes. The worst things in our life we want to hold on to so bad. I don't know if anybody have ever felt this way, but sometimes in, in, in the deepest moments of sadness, you kind of want to stay there because it just like, it feels terrible but good all at the same time. Like, oh, like, I wish I could cry. I want to stay here. I just, I know how I can love myself, right? But Jesus is like, hey, I need that from you. And you're like, no, but it's keeping me warm. God, I built this house. Yeah, but it's built of your failures. Yeah, but it's keeping everything else out. I'm scared of whatever else is coming around me, right? And he says, I need you to give me that. I really need you to because I have something better for you. Amen? Whoops, I almost knocked that over. <laughs> so how do, I know if, if, how do I know if I'm in the right mindset now? How do I know if I did this thing well? How do I know if I changed everything around? Right? You might be asking yourself that question. The way that we know that our mindset is in the right spot is if God's ways are way more important to us than our ways. If God's will is way more important than my will. If God's timing is way more important than my timing. I talked about this in first service. Like, we talk about submission. Who's ever heard that? Like, I'm going to submit to Jesus, right? We talk about submission, but oftentimes we don't think about what submission means in disagreement. Submission is easy if I agree with you all the time. Right? If I'm, if I'm, if I'm trying to submit to George, and he's telling me all this different stuff, and I'm like, oh, yeah, man, that's a great idea. That's awesome. And I really believe it. It's easy to submit. But what happens if I disagree? If I break my submission just because we disagree, then I was never fully submitted. True submission only happens actually in disagreement. So what I mean by this is if you've lived your whole life and you've never once disagreed with God, you're probably not in submission to him. You're probably just following your own ideas and ways and, and pulling Jesus along with you. Because every once in a while, Jesus is going to call me to something that I'm uncomfortable with. Jesus is going to call me to something that I don't really necessarily agree with. And I don't understand. And I don't want to do that. If I understood everything God did, what's the point of God? There has to be a mystery. There has to be something that I don't understand. And so the submission happens when I say, Jesus, even if I don't get it, even if it doesn't make sense, like last week, even if I don't understand why I'm not getting what I want when I want it, even when I don't understand why there's this pause and this wait and crisis is happening and why I don't understand I'm failing, God, I'm going to submit to you fully. And in that, there's life change. That's the mindset that we need to have. Romans 12.2 says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Have you ever wondered what God's will is? There's a scripture right there in the Bible that tells you how to figure it out. 
It says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Step one. Right? i got to get my failures and the world's outlook on my life behind me. And then be transformed by the renewal of my mind. Boom. Starting over. Reset. It's like, it's like when, when someone calls you, how do I, how do I, my, my computer's broken, how do I fix it? Have you tried turning it off, turning it back on, right? <laughs> There's like the constant advice, like the tech advice. Like, you know how, I, I'm, I'm ashamed by how much tech people get paid to just say to turn it off and turn it back on, right? Or unplug it and plug it back in, right? So I'm letting you know, everybody, if it's not working, try that first before you call somebody. Um, but anyways, it's the same for us. We got to sidestep it, restart, and then, and then God will have an opportunity because he's not trying to sift through all the junk anymore. When we restart and leave everything behind, it's a clean slate. And he's like, hey, here's my will for you. And you're like, oh, wow. Right? Which brings me to my last step. Right? So we said give it away, assess our motives, change our mindset, and the last step is to start fresh. In the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John, there's a beautiful story of the redemption of Peter. Peter, along with some of the others, were fishing and Jesus came and stood on the shore. This story is so, from this week, from, from uh, studying this story, it's so beautiful. I didn't realize, I didn't realize all that this story had in it. But Jesus is standing on the shore and he sees Peter and these other disciples and other men fishing offshore. And he yells out to them, hey, I'm paraphrasing. It's in chapter 21 if you want to read it for yourself. He says, hey. Have you caught any fish yet? And probably embarrassed and slightly ashamed, they lean back and they, no, we haven't caught anything yet. So once again, Peter's failing. Can you imagine where Peter's at right now? He failed over and over and over again. He denied Christ three times. Christ told him, and he's probably broken. And he's sitting there on this boat, and he's saying, maybe I just should go back to what I used to know. Maybe I should go back to that house I built. Maybe I should go back there because it's comfortable. And all of a sudden, he goes back to the thing he knew so well, and he can't catch a stinking fish. And sometimes that's us. I got so close to the promise, and I got so close to knowing Jesus, but oh, it's uncomfortable, and I got to go back. And we run back to what we know, and we know that we don't know it anymore because we've actually been transformed. And we're sitting there, I can't seem to do anything right. I can't catch any fish. I've done this my whole life and it's not working. Nothing I do seems to be right. Why? Because God isn't calling you to that anymore. He's calling you to something new and also you're trying to do it by yourself. So Jesus kind of hilariously calls out to them, hey, just throw the net on the other side. And I'm sure that's kind of like an insult to them. Because, dude, we've been out here all day. What do you mean throw it to the other side? We've been doing that already. We'll do it now. Because now you have my word with it. I don't want to do anything unless I have Jesus' word with it. I don't want to step anywhere unless Jesus said Go. I don't want to throw a net anywhere unless Jesus says, throw it to the other side. Why? Because if I throw it without Jesus, I won't get any fish. 
But Jesus says, throw it to the other side. I know you've done it 12 times already, but throw it. Trust me. Because I sent my word with it. And they pull this out, and it's this whole big thing of fish, and they can barely contain it. And it gets in the boat, and they're like, oh, they're amazed. And John looks out, and he, and he notices, that's Jesus. That's my Jesus. He said, because I couldn't do it on my own. And now Jesus is there, and everything changed. They couldn't see him, they couldn't recognize him, but I know that Jesus, why? Because I know what he does for me. And so just like he's always done, Peter acts without thinking. And he jumps out of the boat. He's swimming. And it's kind of funny, they say that the disciples come around with the boat to shore, and so the boat probably arrived to shore before Peter did because he wanted to swim. And so once again, he's failing at something, right? He could have just stayed dry and stayed on the boat and got to Jesus, but he loved Jesus so much. The passion. Doesn't matter if you failed. What are you passionate about? How much do you love Jesus? Because you could fail along the way, but at least you're trying. And then after this, Jesus has this kind of set where he's like, hey, come and eat. We're going to cook some fish. We're going to have breakfast. And yet Jesus has fish for breakfast. He's a wild dude. I know. It's crazy. But he's like, let's have some fish. So they start eating, and they have this good meal, and then they're done. And then Jesus asks a peculiar question. Remember the point for this is start fresh. Jesus asks Peter, he says, Simon, son of John, which is Peter's first name, he said, do you truly love me more than these? And I never saw this before. I never saw this. Why did Jesus call him Simon? Because maybe Jesus was saying like, hey, let's start again. I called you Peter and you, you failed. I'll call you that again if we could start back here. He says, Simon, do you love me more than these? Notice he plays to Peter's faults. Peter wants to be better than everybody else. So he says, hey, Simon, do you love me more than all of these dudes? And Peter says, Jesus, I love you. And he says, then tend my sheep. Care for my sheep, he says. Then he asks him again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. You just asked me. I said, I love you. And he goes, okay, then care for my sheep. Feed my sheep. Then he asks him a third time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. I said it twice already. What do you mean? Of course I love you. Then feed my sheep. Peter denied Jesus three times. So Jesus took his three statements of denial and says, I'll wipe them away with three statements of love. Love me. Because you denied me. Okay, love me again because you denied me. Love me again, Simon, because we're starting over. And the craziest thing is the thing that Jesus wants Peter to do is so contrary to his belief. Peter's a fighter. Peter is kind of rough around the edges. He only loves the people that are close to him. And Jesus tells him, if you love me, love everyone. It's not about you being better than everybody else, Peter, anymore. It's about you loving everybody else. So I'll wipe away the failures. I'll wipe away the three statements of denial. If you just love me, and in that, don't love me to be better than them. 
love me to love me. Love me to love them. See, Jesus did not let Peter's failures define him any longer. And he won't let them define you either. If we can effectively bring our failures to God, check our motives, change our mindset, and start fresh, Jesus can turn it all around for us in one simple conversation. It's like, it's like those commercials where they say, 12 years of stains on your teeth, and this will turn it around in one month, right? Like, that's probably not going to happen, but this story is true. Years and years and years of failures, and Jesus can turn it around with one choice. One answer to the question. And the funny thing is Peter already answered this question right the first time. And then he failed after it. Jesus said, okay, let's go back to the beginning. Let's do it again, Simon. Do you love me? And so you might be thinking, well, Brett, I already had my chance. I already accepted Christ. I already did this thing, and then I failed again. And Jesus is saying, it's okay. Let's start again. Let me ask you the question. And all you got to do is answer with, I love you, and I trust you, Jesus. So how do you find hope in failure? Just latch on to the man who never fails. But Jesus, I fail over and over and over again. Hey, that's fine. But if you're with me, we're not failing. But Jesus, I already cast my net over and over and over and over again. Yeah, but here's my word. Do it again. So you might be saying to yourself, oh, I feel like God's calling me to this, but I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. Maybe bring him along with you this time. Maybe stop trying to do it on your own. Maybe stop trying to prove to Jesus who you are and let Jesus show you who you are. Amen? Church, this year is an opportunity for us to bear witness to a lot of people. 2020 has been tough. But how, how we as a church, as we as a people react to failure will be a, such a good witness to those around us. Because everyone's in crisis and everyone's in failure and everyone's figuring out what to do. And if I stand up and say, you know what? Maybe we should try throwing the net to the other side. Why? I don't know. Jesus just told me. I think it'll work. But why didn't he tell you that before? Well, he did, but I... I just wasn't listening, and I kept throwing it. And so church today, his grace is meant to be on our lives. He wants us to succeed. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to make good decisions. He wants you not to fail all the time. But he says, hey, if you keep walking up to that edge and you don't trust me at the end, you're going to keep failing. And just like Peter, no matter how many times you fail, Jesus has an answer for every single one. But you just got to let go. Can we let go today, church? Can we let go of our failures? Can we not let those define us? Can we say, like, I'm not defined by the things I do wrong, but I'm defined by the God who calls me to something right. I am who Jesus says I am. The first song that we sang today says, I am the righteousness of God. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin so that I may become the righteousness of God. What does that mean? If I trust Jesus, all my failures are really washed away. I'm the righteousness of God. The most righteous person there ever was. Why? Because I let him take my sins. 
let Jesus take your sins. He can't work things out for you if you don't let him. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. And we're going to sing a song right after this that has the line, Amazing Grace. And it's so timely for right now because we don't deserve God's grace. We didn't do anything to achieve it. We keep failing and failing and failing. And all we have to do is call out to him and we win. So Jesus, God, no matter where we're at in our lives right now, God, whether we're watching online or here in person, but we think, God, my failures are stacking up. And I can't seem to get past them. And I can't seem to let go. And I can't seem to do the things that you want me to do, God. And give us the strength to release. Give us the strength to let go. Give us the strength to hold on to you instead of our failures, Jesus. And help us to step into your amazing grace. Because you're worthy of it all. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.